You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Uh, I had an oil heater as a kid. Had an oil heater as a kid. I think I've shared this with some of you guys. Uh, as a toddler, I, I love this oil heater, particularly because I could take my sister's Barbie dolls and push them up against the glass and begin to melt the heads of them into the heater. I'd sort of get up to about the shoulders and I'd realize it's about time to stop because we didn't have smoke detectors in those days. And I love this thing. And it was a great mystery to me because how could such flickering flames of light have so much power? There was just no connect in my two or three-year-old brain that whenever I touched the plastic upon this and that pungent smell came into my nose, and there was something behind this glass that just mysteriously ate up Barbie dolls. And uh, the glow and the warmth of it, of course, got the better of me, and I used to inch ever closer to it and ever closer to it. I used to have days where I'd lift up my shirt and bask in it, and Dad would always come in at the last minute, and he would say, Son, whatever you do, don't touch that heater. Do not touch that heater. And I would inch ever closer and ever closer, and then I waited for that particular day when I knew he just wasn't anywhere in sight and I lifted up my shirt and I went right on the front of the thing came screaming away and he chuckled to him so you touched the heater didn't you now there's there's a difference between knowing about something and knowing something right there's a difference between changing your behavior out of obligation and changing your behavior out of experience Remember last week Graham was talking about as we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. Paul says, throw off your old self, your old way of behavior through the renewing of your mind. The essence of what he was getting at is that there's a difference between knowing about the things of God and knowing the things of God. There's a difference between knowing of them and being changed by them. And Paul has been showing us, we have to remember here, that all throughout the book of Ephesians that that whenever the Bible tells you to do something, whenever it tells you the what, it never ever does it without telling you the why. And so chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians were all the great why that we should be living the Christian life, why we should be doing the church. That God, this great spiritual tsunami, has had plans that have been in place since the beginning of time, plans for your life and plans for my life to bring together people from all different races and ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds into this funny place called the church and form a new humanity, in other words, God's modern family. And so that was the why. Then the past three weeks we've been looking at the what. We've been looking at things like spiritual gifts and spiritual growth. And tonight we look at the topic of spiritual submission. And we'll go to a really famous passage in the Bible where it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. And, and the, it, it, look, here's the, here's the interesting one. This, this is what I wanted to get us before, to, to think about before we go into it tonight, is that you can have all sorts of filters in your mind when you read a passage like this. You can have all sorts of preconceived ideas when you read a passage like this. You might already be thinking, well, I'm not married, so this passage doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I'm not a slave, so this passage doesn't apply to me. Some of you might think you're a slave in marriage, but that's a whole different thing. But... What I'm getting at is we need to be open to some of the filters that will automatically bounce you off this passage tonight. You're not not going to dig into it and see where it's really coming from. But here's the essence of what Paul's getting at. Because what's really funny, when he says submit to one another, he comes straight out of a passage when he talks about the Holy Spirit. It's quite funny. He's talking about the Holy Spirit comes right out of that. 
And he, what he's really saying here is that you have, you have not been touched. You've not had a stomach-touching experience of Christianity unless, unless there is life-altering, permanent change in the way that you relate to other people. So my question for you tonight is, have you had that stomach-touching experience? Are you relating to people? Are you submitting to people in this way out of obligation? or out of a life-changing experience of the gospel. That's where we're going tonight. How you get there, well, we'll wait and see. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to jump around a bit. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1, then 21 to 25, and then chapter 6, verses 6 through to 9. It says here, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children... And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hopefully we're going to stitch a bit of this together tonight. Then it says, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself. Then we go into chapter 6 and it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, do the will of God from the heart, so wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with them. I've... Tonight, I have to take a Kentucky tour approach to this passage. Anyone here been on a Kentucky tour? Yeah, we have a, had a few. We're young adults. It's like the life objective of any high school student to go on a Kentucky tour. Now, what does a Kentucky tour operator do? Uh, you see, you go to Europe, you go to all these incredible sites, and you might be itching to get off the bus. And yet, what the Kentucky tour operator does is that they're sort of not like the Trafalgar bunch that are for more the old, older style people who need to get sort of handheld through every site. The Kentucky tour operators take you to a great city like Florence and they say, here are the major sites. You've got, you've got to go check out here, you've got to check out here, you've got to check out here. Well, you might be in France. They say, you've got to go to the Louvre, you've got to go to the Eiffel Tower, uh, you've got to check out the Sacre-Cœur. Here's the big picture of where it's at. But the great thing about Kentucky is that it's up to you to go and explore. And so therefore, I've had to take a Kentucky tour approach to all these passages tonight because you could preach six or seven or eight or 26 weeks in just these two chapters of Ephesians alone. And so really, uh, some of you already, you might have some burning questions around, for example, will I be discussing the specifics of the Bible's approach to gender roles tonight? No. Will I be discussing 20 minutes on whether or not Ephesians chapter 6 is condoning slavery or not? No. What, what I'm trying to do for us all tonight is a Kentucky approach to say, look, here, here are the big things that you need to go and have a look at. And you need to go and have a look at that in your own time. But I need to give you a bit of a frame, a bit of a principle. The way that the Kentucky tour operator says, here are the big things, make sure you're back on the bus by 6 o'clock or we go without you. 
So, are we ready to get into it? Here we go. Uh, the Kentucky tour approach. What we're seeing here is uh, really the heart of what has been a passage that's caused a lot of controversy, uh, particularly in the papers last year. There was an article where uh, the Sydney Morning Herald had seen uh, that the Anglican Church is now included in their marriage vows. Uh, effectively, this passage where it says that wives must submit to their husbands. And uh, Muriel Porter, a Melbourne academic and laywoman who writes on the Anglican Church issues, said that submit was a more derogatory word than obey and had connotations of slavery. She says, frankly, I'm horrified, she said. It's a very dangerous concept, especially in terms of society's propensity for domestic violence. And then the contrast is in this whole passage, because it's got a lovely young Anglican couple sitting there on the lounge. It says, Stephanie and Andrew Judd from Sydney, who used, who used part of the new vows, part of the new service when they wed in January, said that those who were offended by the word were not placing it in the right context. I guess what they're getting at is they, they were saying, Muriel's not wearing the 3D glasses. You, you, you see, you, you, can, you can go to a 3D movie and not wear the glasses, right? You guys ever done that? You might have done if you're a cheapskate. They're only a dollar, but <laughs> you can watch the picture in both ways, can't you? But it's incredibly fuzzy. There's a red component and a green component. And here's the funny thing. When you go to a 3D movie like that, both have access to the picture. Now, both people, the one with the glasses and the one without, can make 90% of the picture out. In fact, the movie can make sense. And yet, one has a clarity that blows their mind. I mean, life is coming at them in <laughs> And the other one's got a headache. <laughs> and that's what's fascinating about this passage is that, that Muriel's not got the glasses on. How is it that we can read a passage, wives submit to your husbands? And some people, namely Christians, life comes at them in 3D. Their marriages are richer, they're more joyful, they're more wonderful. Life just comes at them and yet people on the other hand could read the word submit and they get a headache. <laughs> that's what... Andrew and Stephanie were getting at. Now, what are the glasses? We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But let's take a look at the underlying assumptions and the problem that someone like Muriel, or it could be someone like your friends, or it could be you tonight, have with that statement of submission, wives submit to your husbands. And we'll look at some of the other passages, but, but I'm using that word submit because we're going to look at spiritual submission tonight. Here's the underlying problem. and I, I keep calling it our kindergarten cop principle. You know how Arnold Schwarzenegger... Goes in, he's a kindergarten cop, he's a policeman charged to look after all these children. And there's a young girl, Emma, who has been told to go and put her toy back and sit back down on the rug. She stands up to the six and a half foot tall Arnold Schwarzenegger and he, she, she stares him right in the face and she says, I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess. And she gets a little bit less bold, I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess and he says sit down and she wanders to the other side of the room so quickly and the defiance somehow dissolves and I think the little girl's approach to that authority from Arnold Schwarzenegger is the way that many of us approach life the, king, the kindergarten cop principle the modern day person says I'm, I'm not a policeman I'm a princess I'm, I'm who I want to be I, I, I submit to no one in other words I must be free. I must be free. The little girl represents the heart of what we think about. 
I must be free. And when we come to the very notion of submitting to an authority, there could be lots of different reasons. Some on one hand could be because there's a science, what we call a scientific view of the world, that there are no miracles, that it's all just a bunch of atoms, that there is no God, and so therefore we decide our own destiny. Or we could have the new ageistic approach, which is, well, there are lots of miracles and they're wonderful, but they're my miracles. And, and, and today I, I, I gave the universe a mental hug and all my luck came true. And there are miracles if you just believe. And the new age, but either way, the person is saying, I am my own authority. I am the one who runs my own life. And both look vastly different to what we see in these passages. You see, here's the thing. Submission is defined as being willing to have something cut across your will. It's, it's, it's like in the mornings, you know, when the alarm goes off. And it feels absolutely right that you stay in bed. You, you, you want to and you, you, you feel that you should. And, and you hit the snooze button. And, and, and yet if you're under a program of submission as a... Nicely packed set of Adidas shoes and tights. Could be a guy or a girl. Modern day runners. And you look at them and from underneath the dunas, you said, no, I, I will go. I will run. I will do this. I will submit to a higher notion, a higher authority. You see, what are you doing? Why, why would you do that? As much as it feels right, as much as you don't want to do it, you know that there are things... Things in life that, that are just not good for you and, and, and yet you allow greater things to cut across your will. You, you submit to them. Why? Because unconsciously or, or, or consciously you, you recognize, we keep saying this, that freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but it's finding the right restrictions and submitting yourself to them. I mean, I could eat ice cream until the cows come home. And yet I know that wouldn't be good for me in the long run. You know, if, if, we're, if we're totally defined by our feelings, then, we'll, then we don't submit ourselves to programs that are designed for who we really are. We believe this principle so much about the right restrictions in our lives that we even pay people to do it for us. They're called personal trainers. <laughs> so here's the problem. When people hear the word submit, they come from a perspective that says, I, I, I'm only free unless I'm free of any restriction in my life. I must be free. And yet the biblical approach to freedom says, no, 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 no. It's not about being absolutely free. It's about finding the right restrictions and placing them on your life. That's allowing something to cut across your will. That's submission. And so the problem that the modern person has is they say, I, I, I want to feel free. I want to feel free, but I know deep down, I know that if I go do the work in the gym, I know that if I stop eating the ice cream, that, that somehow I'll be shaped into something better and more wonderful and healthier and fitter. We know that a principle applies. We know that at some level we must submit to someone or something. We know that's how it works. That, that's the tension that she feels. So what are the, what are the 3D glasses? You know how 3D glasses have got, what is it, like a red lens and a green lens? That's how they did it in the 80s at least before the technology was fantastic. These days it's all sorts of tricky stuff but basically it's they project two different pictures and there's two different lenses that you need to look through in order to get the 3d picture first lens that we've got tonight is that spiritual submission first and foremost is about getting over yourself that's how we look i need you to all just put your put your hand your eye your right eye and that's going to be your first lens there that you're going to look through you don't have to do this a whole message it's okay put it over both eyes and i suddenly look a lot more attractive 
And <laughs> get, over <laughs> get over myself. Yeah, thanks, Vaka. Yeah, get over yourself. First one is get get over. You've, first first way into biblical submission into this three D life is to get over yourself. That's the secret that we see when it says submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. It's getting over yourself. It, it, and Paul was saying that was part of the secret to marriage. For me, I, it, it's got to be part of the secret to my marriage because Kristen is constantly telling me to get over myself, and our marriage is going stronger than ever. So, but chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Then it says it in a different way, chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect. Now, before our filters start running out of control here, remember it's a Kentucky approach. We, we can't delve right down into the specifics about how this works itself out, but hopefully we'll get a broad brushstroke in that way. Here, here's what the big picture I want to take us to. To submit was a military term. It was a military term that means to give up your rights for the common good. And that's the way it is in the army, right? You don't go to bed when you want. You don't eat when you want. You don't march when you want. You don't walk wherever you want. And the, the reason is because you submit yourself to a greater whole. You submit yourself to a greater whole. And you're part of a much bigger whole. You're part of a much bigger picture. And we're all going to die in the, from the army's perspective if you don't do that. You, you give up your rights for the common good. And so can you see the principle here? The principle for because see how Paul's painting three different pictures. He starts with the spirit up here he talks about the spirit up here and he says if you've got a life-changing relationship by the power of the spirit if you had a tummy touching experience of christianity then that is going to flow down into into your marriage it's it's going to flow down into uh, the, the way that you relate to your work it's going to flow down the way to your, that you relate to your family and so really what he's done, he's given us a principle and he's giving us case studies. And often we inject ourselves in at the case study level and not look at the principle. Here's the principle. The principle is, the principle is this. You serve the needs of your spouse, of your family member, of your workmate before you serve your own. You submit to the, the common good. James 4 puts it this way. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires a battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, and so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You know, James is saying there, it's a biblical principle, is that the breakdown of relationship happens when you want something and you can't have it. The word in, in verse 2 of James chapter, chapter 4, the hedone is where we get the, the word hedonistic from. What he was saying there is when you have a self-pleasing life, that's what causes conflict, that's what causes the breakdown of relationships. And so therefore, James and Paul saying here in this biblical principle here is that the, the breakdown of relationships happen, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a family relationship, whether it's a working relationship, he's saying the breakdown happens whenever your comfort and your opinions and your needs and your desires are more important than the other person's. And so submission is to give up your right to that. And, they, they, and so how do we do that? How, how, what is, let's get practical. How does that look like? What does that look like? How do we do that? It's like saving Private Ryan. Tom Hanks is Captain John Miller. and goes on a mission to find Private James Ryan, who's the last surviving brother. And under American law, if he's the last surviving brother, they need to bring him home, and so therefore he won't be killed. 
And so Captain Miller, not knowing anything about this particular guy, gives up his individual rights for the sake of a common good. And he goes into war-torn Europe, searching, searching desperately on this mission to save Private Ryan. And eventually Miller himself gives up his life for the sake of Ryan's life. Really, here was the choice. It's, it, was, it was Miller's choice and it's our choice tonight. Here, here's how we do submission. Here's how we get over ourselves. It's either my life for me or my life for yours. It's either a choice between my life for me or my life for yours. To be a Christian, to be the church, that's what Ephesians is talking about, is to have such a bigger sense of your mission that you get over yourself. To be a Christian is to be a Captain John Miller. It's, it's to make a decision up front that you will yield, that you will give up of your rights, that you'll be willing to yield your comforts and your desires and your needs for the other person, whatever that context might be. Yeah. Doesn't mean that there, that there, does submission mean that there, there won't ever be arguments or conflicts in either married life or family life or church life or work life? Of course not. You know, if, if, I, if I just take a side note for a sec here, you know, am I trying to say that the Ephesians 5 passage, wives submit to your husband, means that we take the Victorian wifey wifey approach to things? Yes, dear. Now, wives supposed to be this sort of submissive take, whatever. No, 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 no. You know, you see, you see in healthy relationship that if, you're, if you are submitting and wanting the best for the other person's needs and desires, then sometimes there's tension and there's pushback because you, you know how the other person is feeling at the moment is, is, is not right. Maybe they want to eat a lot of ice cream in the relationship and you know that it's not just healthy for them and they're going to argue with you that you, they should eat a lot of ice cream. And you push back. The, 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 the tension within these relationships happen because the submission to one another is it, its not this laissez-faire giving up. It's this tension and working out. But most of all, James and Paul are saying, you know, are you arguing, is there conflict, is there tension because you want to win or you want to warn? Is it because you want to hurt or you want to heal? Is it because you want to lord it over someone or because you want to lift them up? Is it because you want to prove your opinion or you want to pour out your love on the person? You see what I'm coming from? You've got, to, you've got to get over yourself for the sake of the other person. The Christian life at every moment is the opportunity to choose this. Will I get over myself? Will I begin to have the first half of looking at life in 3D? My life for me or my life for yours? Well, the other half, let's get the other hand now. Hand up on your left eye. Thank you for being so participative. <laughs> I'll buy you all glasses next time, all right? <laughs> the other lens that we've got to look through life in is we need to get under God. We've got to get over ourselves, and we've got to get under God. We've got to get under God. It's like the difference between a tightrope and a flying fox. See, there's, there's two. If, uh, if, if, I put, if I put a nice big steel wire from uh, that top corner of the auditorium and down onto the floor, there's two ways that I could cross the room, right? I could try my hand at tightrope walking, and I'm sure I'm going to be up for a whole world of pain. Or I could create a flying fox, and they're far easier because there's a positional gravity. And, and the, the principle here is when we come under, under God, it's, it's not an oppression here. 
this is not an oppression that we're talking about. Maybe Muriel thinks that the biblical approach is oppression and God's pushing down on us in order to submit. No, our choice as Christians is to decide, will our journey in life, particularly in relationships, will it be like walking a tightrope or will it be like riding a flying fox? Will we choose to get underneath God? One, one will make the difference whether your experience will be, will be flimsy and full of fear or whether the other one will be grounded and full of joy. And so when we get underneath God, this is how we do it. This is what hit me this week reading through this. I realized that biblical submission is not just to someone, it's through someone. Biblical submission is not just to someone, it's through someone. Ephesians 6, chapter 5 says, The slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Can you see the principle again? Contiki approach. This, This passage, all of these case studies whether it be marriage, whether it be family, whether it be work. The, the principle that all these passages are saying this is that we submit to God through people. We submit to God through people. And it means, here's what you need to do. You need to look beyond the person that you were submitting yourself to. You need to look beyond the person that you're submitting yourself to. Now, here's why. Let's go back to the article. You know, Muriel says... Submit was a more derogatory word than obey, and it even has connotations of slavery. Here's the thing in submission to God. The, the submission to God that the Bible talks about may be the very thing that liberates you, not enslaves you. Because we see the kindergarten cop approach. We, we, we see the principle. The real question that we have to ask ourselves, are, are we really free? Are we really free? <laughs> Let's look at the case studies. You can be a slave to marriage. Sounds crazy, but you could be a slave to marriage. What about the husband that serves his wife out of behavioral obligation? What sort of joy, what sort of fervor, what sort of energy is there going to be there? Or on the other hand, what about the the wife that makes her husband God? And then he fails her. And what about the wife that is, is, is serving a man that she paints as Prince Charming and, and, just, and lifts him up and he's the reason for everything? You know, in, I'm constantly saying to Kristen in our marriage, and I, it's not where I wanted to go with that. I didn't want that to be funny. I wanted that to be a really serious moment. And then I just realized the logic. You know, I'm not God. <laughs> hey, baby, don't get too caught up in me. <laughs> Oh, scrub that illustration. <laughs> but it's true. We do say to each other, right, babe? We say, look, you know, you're my second love. You're my second love. And our job is to point each other towards Jesus Christ. You can be a, you can be a slave to marriage. Verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, what it's not, it's not saying there, submit yourself to the husbands in the same way that you do to God. The underlying translation says, submit out of your submission to God. In other words, your submission to your husband, if you are submitted to God, will be a healthy submission. Are you seeing the difference? It's saying it, it, it's a reflection. It's an overflow of your submission to God. In other words... 
submit to God through someone. Submit to God through your husband. Submit to God, and this is what the other one I was going to say, you can be a slave to your family. You know, I've heard it said before, it's hard to see God as your father unless you see some of God in your father. I don't know what your background is. You know, I've been blessed with an amazing father, and you guys know it with the amount of stupid illustrations that I tell. And my, God, my father has been such a wonderful reflection of how I believe God should be, but I know some of you have had horrible fathers. Some of you had horrible parents. And so people have been so hurt by bad parents that there's unforgiveness and there's bitterness. And you know what? You're still a slave. You're still bound up. Life is still being affected by the way that mum or dad treated you back then and you've never forgiven them and you're bitter and you're twisted and opportunities don't come your way because of the way that I was treated as a child. And when you submit to this God who is the ultimate father and the perfect father, it's the only submission that doesn't enslave you, it liberates you. you. You can be a slave to your family as well. As a parent, you can be a slave to your kids. You think about the parents that are always doting over their kids. They think of the parent that is saying, yes, my three-year-old child is going to be a brain surgeon in, th in 30 years' time and plugs him into Kumon six days a week. Now, what, what, what does that do to the parent? First of all, when the kid starts flunking math, but what does it do to the child? They're slaves. And, and, and so that's why Paul says, you know, kids, obey your parents, and, and parents don't exacerbate your kids. Don't be a slave to your kids in that, in that way. You can be a slave to your family, and also you can be a slave to your work, and isn't this appropriate? Man, I could have preached the whole message just on this slither of Ephesians. Oh, the temptation. Because like I said in the Northside News, and maybe that's why I wrote the cover this week, the amount of conversations that I've been having with many of you about your, your dissatisfaction and just the pain that your work is causing you at the moment. You know, Where Horrible Bosses is not some Jennifer Aniston movie, but a reality for you in life. <laughs> and that's the challenging thing. You can be a slave to your work. Paul, Paul repeats himself in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. You know what he's saying? You submit to God through someone. To God through the horrible boss. To God through the great boss, because that's the other one. You can be a slave to your work, not because it's horrible. You can be a slave to your work because it's the most wonderful and exhilarating and fulfilling and successful thing you've had, that you're more, you're more at risk of falling in love with your work than you are your own wife. You can be a slave to your work. And, and, and what Paul's saying in Colossians, what he says in Ephesians 6, he's saying, look beyond the person. No, and you know what that does? The, the principles here, it makes the high-pressure jobs bearable. It makes the failed jobs redeemable. And it makes the most modest jobs meaningful. Because you don't serve that boss. You submit through that boss to God. So, are your relationships like Tightropes or flying foxes. <laughs> That's what we're saying. When, you, when you, you can get over yourself and then you get under God, you, you develop not an oppression, but a positional gravity in 
moving God to his rightful place in your life. God had so ordered the universe in that way that relationships unravel when he's not at the top. And yet they're restored when he's returned to his rightful place. So as we finish up tonight, why should we? Why should we do all this? How do we get that life-changing experience? How do we have that tummy-touching experience? It's time to put on the 3D glasses for real. You know why the world doesn't get submission? You know why the world doesn't have the 3D glasses? All of this has been grounded in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. You know, Paul is saying those 3D glasses are the life and the modeling of Jesus Christ himself. Ephesians 5 1, follow God's example, therefore, as God's follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You know, here's what Jesus did, equal with God, leaves the comfort of the heavens, gets over himself, and not only gets over himself, not only gets under God, he gets under us. It says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He made himself in the very likeness of the man. He becomes the lowest of the low. So here it is tonight. Here's, here's the, 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 the radioactive fuel rod that's going to power you like a nuclear submarine this week, this year, in, in, in this concept of relationships. Is when you get this, that I can get over myself and I can get under God when I see that God got over himself and he got under me. You know who Jesus is? <laughs> he's Tom Hanks. He's Tom Hanks. He's, 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 Captain, he's Captain John Miller. He's, he, he's, he's the original one. He's the one who truly made the decision up front to carry out a mission, a mission of the Father, to enter into a world, uh, to come in and to save pri- you, Private Ryan, to save you, to go and come and, and bring you back home so you could be united with the rest of your family, not at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. He's the ultimate Captain Miller. And friend, when you see what it is that Jesus Christ has done for you, then it makes it a lot easier to get over yourself and it makes it a lot easier to get underneath God. And a, a submission that's not an oppression, but a liberation. Friends, that's what biblical submission is. And so I guess that's where we stand tonight. As, as I guess there's a whole spectrum of different people here tonight. You know, there's people like me as a toddler. People that have come to church, you hear, you, you don't follow Jesus. You've been, you've been warming yourself by the oil heater. That is the wonderful words and the warmth of everything that Jesus Christ represents in this place. And you can feel it in your heart, can't you? You can just feel it. And you keep getting drawn ever closer and closer and closer. You know, and I encourage you tonight to lift up your shirt. Don't take that the wrong way. Yeah, lift up your shirt. No, that you, you, you need to be. You need to be touched. You need, you need to have to have that zap. Christianity is is not an evolution. It's a position or a standing. There was a point in my life in which I wondered what this oil heater was about. There's a, there was a point in my life when I knew about the things of the oil heater. And there was a period in my life where I experienced it. Friend, are you the sort of person that knows about God and keeps hearing about God? It's been brought here by a friend. You keep feeling the warmth. That, do you know about him or do you want to experience him tonight? You can do that, not by touching your tummy on an oil heater, but by accepting him through faith in Jesus Christ after the service. And Christian, follower of Jesus, 
Paul says all of this stuff about submission. He didn't get caught up in the semantics. The principle is, if you have had a tummy-touching experience of God, he, he, takes, he takes it from knowing about him to experience him, to life-changing behavior through the power of his Holy Spirit. The degree to which we get chapters 1, 2, 3 of Ephesians, the degree to which we get the why will be the degree to which we live out the how. There could be horrible bosses in your life tonight. There could be marriages that are struggling tonight. There could be parents that you're unreconciled with tonight. They're just the case studies. But friends, if we get what it is that Jesus Christ has done for it, the behavior will overflow. Time to get over yourself. Get under God.